This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to another episode of The Culture Code. Our guest today is the Chief People Officer at DocuSign, Jennifer Christie. Where are you joining us from today, Jennifer? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm in uh, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. I'm just outside Philadelphia, so we are having the same weather pattern right now. Looking forward to uh, sunnier skies. So, Jennifer, let's start at the beginning. Now, many people know DocuSign because of your e-signatures. In fact, just this morning, I closed a deal using DocuSign. Thanks for the assist. But for those who don't know the company, tell us a little bit about DocuSign. I'll start with what we do. So DocuSign is most known for e-signature, which is the world's number one way of signing agreements and contracts anywhere at any time around the globe. Today, though, we've gotten beyond e-signature and we're helping our customers really manage end-to-end their agreement process. So from the time you create or negotiate or manage or sign your contracts, whether it's a very simple rental agreement to a very complex legal contract, we're there for you. As a company, we're about 7,000 employees. Um, We have over a million customers and over a billion users, like yourself, clearly, around the globe in over 180 countries. So it's a really exciting time to be at DocuSign. 7,000 employees, global, and we're here to talk about culture. So let's set the context because it's still a hot topic. Back to work, fully remote, hybrid, where have you landed on all that? We did a process earlier this year where we looked at every single role and we looked to see like, should this role be a hybrid role or should it be a remote role based on the requirements of the job, who that collaborates with, et cetera. So about half of our company is in a remote job designation, about half are in hybrid, which for us means coming into the office two times a week. That sounds like hybrid light to me. (laughs) So that sounds good. So Jennifer, you obviously have a high performing culture, but how would you describe that culture to someone like me from the outside? What really resonates about our culture are a few things. One is it's a caring culture. And when I say caring, That means not just caring for each other and having each other's backs inside the company, but we care about our customers. We really care about our customers. Are we providing them what they need? It's also a company that I say is very purpose-driven and very low ego. It just, people are really here. It's not about titles. It's not about stay in your lane. It's about what can we do to help you? And it's a nice, respectful culture. Caring, purpose-driven, low ego. So how do you teach that culture How do you teach new joiners about your culture and how do you sustain it among your more tenured folks? A couple of things I would call out. One is we have a really robust employee resource group. So ERG, we have nine global ERGs. It is really the fabric and the fabric of a culture driver for us. People coming together who have shared values and shared experiences who are here to help and support each other. We've got great executive sponsorship. So it really helps think about how people navigate their careers and get guidance and development as well. So that's our ERG program is something I'm super proud of. And the other one is actually something we just launched this week. So hot off the press is a recognition platform. Because what we found was that people really did want to celebrate their peers, that caring culture that I talked about. But it was kind of happening in different ways around the organization. So we just launched this platform called Spark, where people can give 
each other peer-to-peer recognition. It's a more formal way of doing anniversaries through a memory book. And people can give points that are kind of like the equivalent of buying someone a cup of coffee, or they can just give someone a nice shout out. It's an essential platform that have raises visibility. And we launched it on Monday and we've already had over a third of our employees sign on to it and over 1,200 points of recognition in just the first few days, something that's really resonating with our employees. And when you talk about people getting points for recognition, I like that concept, but do you bank them and, and then buy something with them? Yeah, so every employee gets 15 points a month to dole out and that gets refreshed every month. And so it's if you equate it, it's about a dollar per point, if you will. So it's not high dollar values, it's more the equivalent of buying a cup of coffee and you can accumulate those and there's a, a marketplace to spend them. The employee engagement research is really clear that the power of recognition is just in the knowledge, the feeling that our efforts, our achievements are appreciated by our boss, by our peers, and anything monetary is just sort of extra. But I've still often thought in my own companies that maybe I should just sort of give the bonus allocation to the individual employees to then give out to each other however they like. Peer-to-peer recognition is so important. And so is manager-to-peer and manager-to-their-employee recognition, no doubt. But the peer-to-peer recognition really resonates with our culture. Going back to that part of I talking about caring, purpose-driven, it's just, it really fits us well to have a platform that allows people to do that in a more robust way. Let's shift gears to my favorite topic, which happens to be, of all things, manager training, especially frontline leader development. With a company of 7,000 employees, you might have 1,000, 1,200 people leaders, and they are the culture carriers. You know, they're on the front line. Um, so what are you doing to develop your, your people managers? I would call out a couple of things. One, I would say our people love their managers. So we have an employee survey that we do twice a year. And every single time, the recommend your manager is the top scoring. So mm. I would recommend my manager to others. So really love their managers. And I think the reason for that is twofold. One is that we work with people before they're actually managing people. So if we've identified someone's on a path to be a manager or if they've raised their hand, they want to be a manager, we actually put them through some training and some sessions to say like, so you want to be a manager. This is what that really means. Because sometimes people just think, oh, it's the next progression for me, but they don't recognize it's a lot of work. And we want people to recognize it can be the most rewarding thing that you do, but it's also can be some of the most challenging work that you'll do and want them to be eyes wide open about that before they take that role. And then the second piece is that allows them to opt in or out. Mm-hmm. And it lets them, if they take that role and they move into that role, it's very intentional and they know the work they've got to do to be a really great manager. And then we enable them with all of that. But I think it's that the pre-manager work that we do that really sets people up for success. Wow, you gave us so much gold there. I often say the role of the manager, it's sort of like the role of being a parent. Being a parent, I've got three kids. They're the best thing in life and also the hardest thing in life. If you care about being a great leader, it is super rewarding, but can be very difficult. And I often think and shake my head about the research from Zenger Folkman that says the average age that someone becomes a manager for the first time is age 30. The average age people are when they receive manager training is 35. So there's half a decade of us being a far from perfect manager, hopefully not doing too much damage to the people in our care. So I think it's fantastic that you're getting ahead of that. You're giving people a chance to 
explore and evaluate that opportunity, giving them a chance to tap out if being a leader isn't for them. Just because you're a great salesperson doesn't mean you're going to automatically be a great sales leader or that you're going to want to have that kind of a people leader role. Now, you mentioned a couple of times the employee experience surveys, the voice of employee surveys. What else are you doing to gather feedback on your culture? Yeah, so that's obviously a, a big one that we do. And following on each of those surveys, if there's areas that we want to double click on because it gave us concern or there's something that we want to get better at, we have what we call mini pulses that we can do some deeper dives just to really understand more deeply what those issues are. Other thing that we do is we have monthly town halls, like global mm. town halls, and we always make sure we carve out a at least half of the time for live Q&A. And we'll send a Slido out in advance so people can start populating and upvoting questions. But we always all allow the opportunity for the live coming in hot, if you will, during the town hall, because we think that kind of live interaction back and forth with employees and having that outlet for those questions, in addition to the surveys that we do twice a year, is really important because things change. There's always things going on and they want to comment on those things. We, you know, we have Slack channels as well that people can raise issues on, but this one is one that we feel having that cadence of those monthly interactions is also really good. In these interviews, I've been hearing more and more about organizations using Slido or similar tools during their town halls. And sometimes I've heard that people do it anonymously so people can ask any question in a Slido without identifying themselves. And others say, no, no, it's important that people do identify themselves if they're going to ask a question in that public forum. So where do you fall on that issue? They're not anonymous because they are associated with somebody. However, we do have a way of someone sending, the person who's moderating the town hall, you can slack her a question if you don't want to put it in the Slido and factor that in accordingly. It doesn't come up with someone's name. So if there's an anonymous question that comes up like that. But I will tell you, when you open up transparency to your organization, people feel more comfortable asking those yeah. questions. There's not retribution for the questions. It's We take questions live. We're not always prepared for them, but we try to model the transparency and just being honest with our folks and giving them a real forum for asking us those questions. So we haven't seen a lot of backlash around not having an anonymous way of asking questions. You obviously have a culture high in transparency, high in psychological safety, because if you didn't, then people just would ask any questions. I want to shift gears. We're unfortunately running short of time. It's a short format podcast, and these are a little bit more fun. Let me start with this. Imagine that you could wave a magic wand and send 7,000 books out to all your colleagues, and they were guaranteed to read them. What would you send? I vastly, there's two different books, but they're of the same group. The Harvard Negotiation Project with Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone. Thanks for the feedback and difficult conversations are two books I think everyone can benefit from. I don't care what job you have, what level you are. Those conversations that are difficult, giving feedback that's going to land the right way or receiving feedback in a productive way can be things that can be challenging at anyone's point in their career in any level. And I just think they do an amazing job of helping people put themselves in the shoes of the people that are receiving the information and really think about how can I do this effectively? Not just check the box, get it done, but like, how can I really make sure that I have a productive conversation? I think it's so fundamental to everything. If I send one, it'd probably be thanks for the feedback. But if I could send two, I'd send that and difficult conversations. I sure wish I had read that book earlier in my career because I used to be horrible 
just withholding feedback, so high in agreeableness in my personality that I just couldn't get myself to do that uncomfortable thing of giving people tough criticism. Thankfully, I, I overcame that. So what's something that you know now that you wish you knew on the first day you became a chief people officer? When I first took the CHRO back at a different company, CHRO role back at a different company, I thought everyone's going to expect me to be perfect and the biggest expert in my function, right? Like I just felt like I have to be such an HR expert, which is certainly an expectation. What I didn't focus on as much was being an expert in the business. And I think what I would go back and say to myself is, yes, you've got a team, you know your stuff, focus on really understanding the business because that will make you a better partner to your CEO. That'll make you a better partner to your peers if you really understand what the business drivers are and what your peers are trying to achieve from a business perspective. That's great advice. So we're talking here, it's October of 2023. What's your priority going to be in 2024? What's your team going to focus on? One of the things we've already touched on a bit is this way of working. So we launched this new way of working in June. So we're still working through the kinks, if you will. You know, there's lots of still things that we want to make sure we get right. It's fascinating to me. I spent over 30 years coming into an office five days a week (laughs) before COVID without fail. Even on Fridays, I was loath to leave early without some kind of great excuse. And it just takes a couple of years for all of that hard wiring to just completely go away. And it's so fascinating to me. But, you know, that's what we're trying to figure out. Like, what are we rewiring for and how do we do that in a way that blends the flexibility and the things that people love about being the opportunity of working remotely? But then we get back some of what we lost around collaboration and culture that I think in person just does it in a way that's very unique. So that we're still working through that formula, what's right for us. And every company has their way of doing it. And so I don't think anyone says like, this is the best. It really has to fit your company. And we're still on that journey. I appreciate you sharing that. And you did mention earlier that you're really looking at it role by role. And it reminds me, great leaders individualize their approach to leadership. They don't treat everybody the same way. Their leadership behaviors vary depending on the strengths and developmental areas and the the role of the people on their team. And this is just another great example of that. No, I was just going to say, we just didn't think it, we felt it was very arbitrary to say, if you live near an office, go in. (laughs) (laughs) Very arbitrary, right. Yeah, we just felt like we wanted to be a little bit more thoughtful and specific about why we thought people should come into the office, who should they be working with, and what made most sense for us. Yeah. I think this is just going to be a hot topic for the next five years. With all the conversations I'm having, it sounds like, Many companies in Europe are really inviting everyone or insisting rather everyone comes back into the office. And it's certainly a mix here in the States. And if there was one right answer, we would all be doing the same thing. But, you know, you probably have a talent advantage or recruiting advantage if you recruit from anywhere and give that flexibility to work from home. But you do lose something when you don't have those meetings outside of the meeting or the serendipitous encounters in the hallways or in the break room. So it'll be interesting in the years ahead as people try different things and we gather data, you know, where we all come out with this. There's, again, obviously no one right answer. We all be doing it already. Well, definitely what I mentioned in kind of this chapter two, kind of moving into this broader kind of agreement process space. But one thing that I find really cool is that we're embarking on, uh, we've launched in the U.S., 
this AI powered identity capability, which is really cool to, to marry AI with our video kind of selfies, if you will, mm-hmm. so that we have a more secure and remote way of identifying signers, which is growing in importance in the US, but it's already huge in the EU and the UK. Mm. And through this capability, we're able to ensure that the user is at the location during document capture, and we can match their photo with their face you know, whatever document they're putting up. And it really has opened up a lot for our customers not having to force this face-to-face um, interaction. So we, we're excited about that capability that we're, our, we've already launched here in the U.S. That's exciting stuff. I know my mind is blown weekly with new announcements, new AI breakthroughs. Chief People Officer, DocuSign, Jennifer Christie, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour-style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org. Thank you.